Good morning. Good morning. Where is my head at this moment? <laughs> well, off to a good start, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Down in the Valley podcast. My name is Edson Ochoa. And I'm glad to be back for another episode of uh, to talk about the Toros. I know last week it was kind of interesting to say the least. For those of you that, that were present uh, last week, Guys, I uh, appreciate all of your all of your patience. Hopefully, none of that happens uh, this week. But I want to give a huge shout out right now to Mike Reyes. And I almost dropped my phone from the desk. That's just great. Um, huge shout out to Mike Reyes, Stampede Vice President. I'm doing real good. I'm doing real well, uh, Mike. Doing it real well. Just had a late day at the office. That's why, I, like the whole the whole show was kind of uh, del delayed back to like almost eight o'clock. But I mean. What can we do? Uh, work is a priority. Uh, huge shout out to Jorge Pedraza as well. Este, man, I am so hi hyped up uh, for today's episode. We have a lot to talk about. And we've got a we've got um, almost a whole squad. Uh, Jacob had to be absent this week because of work. And uh, but we do have uh, Cesar. We do have obviously uh, Ray on our show. But uh, we'll introduce y'all. Uh, to them in just a quick little bit. Um, I do want to th let y'all know that if you guys have missed any part of the podcast, um, you can check it out on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google pa Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, uh, and any other podcasting platforms. And if you're listening to us through the podcast audio, uh, you, we go live every Wednesday um, afternoon i don't even i can't even say 7 p.m because it's probably gonna, just going to be later depending on uh how things go uh let's say wednesday we, evening bro wednesday evening let's just keep it simple as that um seven uh not sorry uh it's gonna be on our youtube channel which is youtube.com slash down in the valley and on our facebook live facebook.com slash down in the rgv be sure to hit that subscribe button below click on that little bell so you'll get notified whenever we do go live or we post a video uh, on our uh, YouTube channel. And uh, and also, while you're at it, now that you're already here and I kind of got your attention, make sure you click that little like button that's down there. And of course, share the stream with all of your friends. And obviously, I want to thank the Beautiful Game Network for all of their support to the Down to the Valley podcast. Huge thank you to the, uh, the BGN sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, and Icarus FC. And of course, our sponsor, Natural Beauty Spa. And finally, I'll take the time to thank all of the Down of the Valley patrons, Jeff Strong, Harry Austin, Javier Ochoa, Gilbert Guajardo, Eddie De La Garza, Santos Cisneros, Johnny Reese, and of course, uh, the Stampede VP, Mike Reyes. If you'd like to help support the podcast financially, while earning exclusive perks as you do so, just go to patreon.com slash down in the RGB to sign up for our all available tiers. But anyway, having said all of this necessary the mumbo jumbo that no one really cares about, but I kind of have to say, but not just kidding. Just, don't don't get mad at me, BGN. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. I'm just anyway. Um, let's go ahead and give a huge welcome to uh our uh, I was gonna say guests, but our co-hosts for today. Um he hasn't been here for, for a while, but he's out there. He's always there lurking behind the scenes, helping us down in the valley. We've got our in our in-house golfer slash sim racer, 
Cesar Cortez. Oh, and photographer too, Cesar Cortez. Cesar, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Edson. It's actually really nice to be able to have the chance to be on the podcast again. I can't tell you how many times I've been wanting to do this, but you know, life gets in the way, especially at this age. But um, no, I can't complain now. Now that I got the opportunity, we got so much to talk about. You know, we got the San Antonio match, the El Paso match, sort of kind of, we'll touch up on that. Mm, not to mention our newest signing that we'll touch up later on. Definitely as well. Like uh, like you mentioned, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. It's just a short amount of time. So let's go with our uh, recurring guest, and that is Ray Silva of South Texas Border Sports. Ray, how are you doing? Hello, Edson and Caesar. Thanks for allowing me to be here tonight. Uh, to all the patrons, hello, welcome aboard. Uh, happy to be here again to talk some soccer. And let me allow to use this hashtag for tonight. SAFC loves opposing late equalizers. Honestly, you are not wrong. And I'm not the only one to say that. I was um, I was actually on the, um, the Striker Tejas USL podcast uh, yesterday, uh, since, I, since I am going to be a recurring guest uh, with them, or a member, actually, to say. And even Jonathan Check, who covers um, San Antonio for the striker, he said something along those lines when he talked about San Antonio. It just seems that uh, they just aren't mentally capable to maintain a lead, especially against RGV. But we're not a San Antonio podcast. We are an RGVFC podcast, so let's let's move on. All right, so uh, first matter of uh, tonight. Uh, before we talk about the South Texas Derby, just real quick, quick little recap. Uh, RGVFC, uh, they presented their third kit, um, their third Puma kit, which will be used on June 16th, if I'm not mistaken, against uh, Austin Bold for nationals, or actually world sea turtle day and i really like it so basically it is a green puma kit and unlike the the home and away kits it is sponsored by the city of south padre island and sea turtle incorporated what i like about it the most is that for every kit that is purchased um a portion of of, of that money will be donated to sea turtle inc uh, to help uh, the conservation of sea turtles in the beaches of South Pottery Island. Design-wise, I really, really like it. Um, it's really, I don't think it's customized. I haven't seen the template before, to be honest, not, not even with the European teams. So it's probably a brand new template that I guess uh, the tourists are going to be one of the first ones uh, to use. And I definitely have not seen it in the 2021 Puma catalog. So... There could be some sort of exclusivity right there, uh, but don't quote me on that. Um, but overall, I really, 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 really like it. Um, Ray, Cesar, whoever wants to take the lead on this, what did you guys think of the third kit? I absolutely love it. It is a fantastic kit. Can't wait to get my hands on it. And Edson, didn't we have a, uh, a conversation where we were calling for like a third kit that it would be something honoring someone or helping out a, a nonprofit organization. Didn't I call that shot? Yes, you did. And I believe it was the, the episode after the Ron Patel uh, interview. 
Exactly. So it was something that I uh, wanted to just give myself a little, uh, a little love there for a second. But yes, absolutely love the design on it. Can't wait for our next home match to get to get inside the pro shop before the uh, the match and get and get my hands on on a kit like that. I will tell you this much: the person who, who was in charge of making that kit into fruition is a is a. Let's just say he watches our show uh, week in and week out. So you must have been a huge influence in that aspect. So kudos to you, Ray, for bring, bringing up that suggestion. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, this RGBFC front office listens to us. And so keep being vocal in on social media, uh, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, you keep vocal, keep showing your support, obviously crit criticize what needs to be criticized. And there will be plenty to criticize, especially on the pitch. And we'll talk about that when we talk about this South Texas Derby so you guys can get an idea. Um, but show your opinions, show the, the RGB front office that you care. They listen, they see, they see whatever you post. So be a proactive fan base because it works. Trust me, it works. I think they've shown it. Time and time again, that they listen to the what the fans. They may not implement everything that you say, but at least they're, they're out, out there. there. They're out there. They're out there lurking somewhere. Um. Anyways, so that so Cesar, what are your thoughts on the kit? Well, the one thing that I love: no hexagons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I love it. I love it because uh, you know awkward. we have this. Uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. The the primary jersey it's really nice, but <laughs> you saw at the beginning of the season how many were going with that pattern. I yeah, believe, yeah, it, I believe it was USL memes on Twitter. That's they actually brought that up. Yeah, because it was it was Austin Bold, uh, obviously New Mexico United with their third kit, and in the eleven. And I think the only Puma uh, team in the USL Championship that didn't use the hexagons was Oakland Roots. Other than that, in one way or another, the other USL teams had this hexagon uh, template. You gotta admit, it looks nice with the blue, though. And it's nice to see, you know, a third kit. I don't, I don't think this is the the first time RGB has had a third kit in their in their history, have they? Um, you're not wrong you, you you're absolutely not wrong there caesar uh inaugural year they went with the all blackout kit with nike because they had the uh the primary white top with blue bottoms and then they had the orange top um the they had an orange, orange top, top white shorts if i'm not mistaken yep and then they had the uh, nike all blackout so that was the third uniform for that season Correct. And uh, it's nice to see this one because, you know, with the recent freeze that we had, you know, it made, it made national news. All the sea turtles that were, you know, frozen with it, within that week of the, uh, the deep freeze. And, you know, to see, um, the, you know, the community of South Padre just being able to, you know, come together to help all those uh, sea turtles recuperate and send them back into the wild. I think it's a really, really fitting and... Yeah, it pretty much pays homage to, you know, something that's local as well. And it's for a good cause. Yeah. 
I definitely, uh, I definitely uh, love it. I can't wait to to get that that kit in my in my hands. And I think, and you know what the best part was is not only did the RGBFC fan base love it, fan bases around the USL landscape were very vocal about how much they loved this kit from RGV. And I do not think we've ever had a kit that would that made such an impact on a national level, national USL level, than this one. And just I think it's just the fact of that this isn't just any other kit. This is a kit launched for a good cause. And and so, you know, I've seen even USL memes wanting one. Um, I've seen San Antonio fans, you know, put aside their hatred to for RGV and mention that they really loved the kit. And so this is going to be a very, I think it's a very successful kit. Um, I wonder if it's sold out yet, but even, even then it was pretty, it was pretty popular. So hats off to the, the planners, the designers, and to the RGB front office and Puma for releasing such a, such a beautiful kit. And as I mentioned, it will be used against Austin Bolt on June 16th for uh, World Sea Turtle Day. Um, June 16th. As- that's a that's a Wednesday. Is it? Yep. Yeah, that's correct. It's the Wednesday. Yes. I think I'm actually going to be able to attend that match. Sweet. You'll be awesome. able to take our headshots in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. Way to put him on a spot, Ray. But anyway, moving on. Uh, I do want to get your thoughts in the chat. So, guys, I want to hear, I want to see what you guys think in the chat. Did you like this kit? Did you not like this kit? I want to get y'all, y'all's feedback. We will be going back into the chat uh, later on, but let's continue on to the actual meat and potatoes of the show, which is the South Texas Derby that was played last Saturday. So, right off the bat, <laughs> that was my first impression. It didn't help that. I had a long day. I had to go to Houston, turn in my apartment, uh, make the drive back uh, to uh, to uh, McAllen. Apparently, something happened in Odom that they blocked off the, uh, the the Highway 77, so we had to take the country road. So at the end, I was like, Aah. you know, kind of exasperated. By the time I got there, I had like I couldn't see outside of the car because everything was filled with all of my stuff that I brought back here. To McAllen that was left from my uh, apartment, and then I saw the lineup. Oh boy, what can I tell you about that lineup? Interesting to say the least. And um, I'll let you take the lead in this, Ray. This was a lineup. Had it been an Eastern Conference team, no problem. But you're battling your deepest rival. It's a derby game. Yes, I know you didn't have Elvis and Mo. That that switch is understandable, but everything else beyond that, whoo, man, oh man. I kind of like, I was like, wow. Like, if this is what we're going to go out and die with, let us let us just park the bus for a while and let's see how much San Antonio can throw at us for a long time before either we give up a goal 
or two. So the lineup for this uh, for this match against San Antonio was Tyler Derrick in the goal in the goalkeeper position. That is not a uh, that's not a surprise. Um, then you had Camden Riley as the right back. Um, Adrian Vera as a left back. There's one surprise right there. Arturo Dispe and Eric Pimentel as the center backs. No surprises there. Okay, that's fine. Rodrigo Lopez. Um, Josue Soto as holding midfielders. It's At least it's what it seemed like to me. And then uh, Christian Sorto. A little bit more behind. Let me tell you exactly. Yes. So this time, Christian Sorto was playing more of a midfield role rather than a winger role. At least that's what the USL uh, has him with. Then up on top, it was Babukar Jai as the striker. Then out on the wings, John Henry Sanchez and Alexis Cerritos as your wingers. The Toros started off, I guess you can say, they started like they ended the last South Texas Derby. You know, putting pressure, the high pressure on the San Antonio defense, forcing them to, to turn over, over the ball in a very uh, dangerous part of the field. And however, the Toros had multiple opportunities to score. And either the shot was too weak or the shot went straight towards Matt Cardoni. When you're in a match as tight, especially a derby, such as against San Antonio, and you're doing the hardest part, which is trying to take the ball away from San Antonio with the high pressure, force them to turn over the ball, and you are in a 1v1 position in front of Matt Cardoni, you got to be more accurate with the shots. Um, you have to take advantage of the situation. Take advantage of the momentum that you have. Because if you don't, well, you saw what happened with San Antonio. San Antonio, after the injury of Victor Gyro, aka PC, in the 12th minute, San Antonio started dominating the Toros. He started shooting up on Tyler Derrick. Tyler Derrick was say, was jumping left and right and up, you know, getting that ball and avoiding it going into the goal. And then it was around the 40th minute where Marcus Epps scores the opening goal for San Antonio FC. And the, the game continued to be mostly in favor of San Antonio, even in the second half. And it just didn't seem, for me, my observations, it didn't, I couldn't see where the, the Toros were, were going to be able to get the momentum back, get a, 
get some shots on goal, uh, you know, because you look at the map on the USL website that tells you exactly where and when the Toros made some shots, whether it's on target, off target, or blocked. And I posted this uh, on the striker in my takeaways. Most of the opportunities that the Toros had were before that 15 minutes before Victor Jairo gets, gets injured, which is when they were dominating, and after the Emil Cuello red card. Other than that, it was all San Antonio. Hmm. I'll take the initiative here. Um, you know, after San Antonio lost PC, you're absolutely right. They kind of like went to that full attack mode. And I just kind of felt that that change for San Antonio gave them that second wind after withstanding RGB's pressure. Now, on the flip side, you kind of saw another issue that RGV is facing. It's kind of going on the squad depth. Adrian Vera, this is our first time seeing him in extended uh, play time. Uh, same thing for Camden Riley. It might, might have been his second cameo. But now we have a pretty good idea that those two aren't going to be the necessarily uh, flank guys uh, coming in to do uh, the work that you would see a um, a Carter Manley would do. Now, also another bullet point that I want to add to your to your thing there, Edson, is having the presence of Juan David Cabezas. This is our third straight game without him. Okay, now we don't know anything if he's injured or not. Okay, keep that into mind. Now. One would go ahead. Considering the fact how quiet RGV has been with Juan David Cabezas lately, and given their history on how they handle injuries, it wouldn't be surprised to me that uh, that he's injured again. I don't have any proof, but. Neither going do by, I. Going by historical context, I wouldn't be surprised if Juan David Cabezas is injured again. I don't have any any further proof, but if you have one big piece of evidence that would suggest otherwise, three straight games without him, possibly even four going into Sunday, who knows? But if you want the proof in the pudding, absent three straight games. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel like I, with his presence being missing, one just has to wonder, okay, if you're not going to have a, a Juan David Cabezas type uh, character, um, do you readjust the defensive line towards you get Eric Pimentel to be the new Juan David Cabezas? An experiment with the with the different center back and 
and move Pimentel to be the next one, David Cabezas? Who knows? But that's just one of those points where uh, I kind of feel like the team is kind of missing that defensive stopper to kind of like restart the offense. That's just mm. an, a, a very, very casual observation on my end. Yeah. And I don't understand. I don't understand why the Toros are like that when it comes to injury reports. You know, Jonathan Check tells me about San Antonio because I asked him about what was going on with PC, right, after the game. And he said, he said, San Antonio usually does not uh, talk about or report injuries unless it's long term. So if they don't say anything on PC, that's good news. And inside of, you know, I'm thinking, well, at least they get, at least they get some sort of information about injuries, right? Um, when, you know, with the Toros, I remember, what was it? 2017, 2018 season. When, remember when uh, este, uh, Aldo Quintanilla had had an injury? Or had to have surgery. Yeah. And someone is like, we knew that we knew because of his Instagram post that he was injured and he went through surgery. And every time there was the injury report and during the broadcast, injuries, none. Like, what? Like, that makes no sense. Like, why even when present, you know, when there's proof that this guy is, uh, this player is injured? Why was the why were the Toros slash Dynamo so secretive about injuries? I just don't get it. Like any other league, you get a report that so and so is injured, even if it's even if it was just that a, a practice injury or just that oh like say un tiron like you know. But you get a report saying, okay, this player uh, it was found to have this certain injury. He will be out for this number of days. Sounds like, oh, okay, all right, cool, all right. But somehow in the USL, somehow in RGV, they're like, oh, this is like, this is the Krabby Patty secret formula. Don't let this come out to anyone at all, or we will, or or, or we will release the Kraken on them. Like, it's not the KFC secret recipe, man. It's just a, it's just an injury report, right? The world isn't going to end if, if the fans or, you know, know that certain player is injured, you know, it's, it's nothing out of this world. And that, that's my personal opinion. Uh, I could be wrong. You know, it could be something within the organization or something within the, from, from what, as far as I could, I could tell, the USL or asks or requires the teams to have an injury report. You know, for them to display an injury report graphic on the broadcast means that the league is re requires them to report any injuries. But apparently the Toros are like, oh yeah, nothing's going on here. There's nobody behind this curtain, blah, 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 blah. Makes no sense to me. So, Maybe they're still used to the way it was when they were under Dynamo's thumb. That's my I, guess. 
and who was and who was the uh, coach of the Dynamo in that uh, during that time? No comment. No comment. No comment. <laughs> As the great Jerson Echeverry once said, no comment. That's all I'm going to be saying about that. But come on, like, give us give us something here to talk. Like if he's injured, if he's injured, okay, it's fine. We're all human. We all have injuries. We know Juan David Cabezas can be was usually uh, I- injury prone with the Dynamo. If it's injured again, it's like no, it's not like we're going to be like invading the pitch, demanding to see Juan David Cabezas, you know, n- or or going up to his house and no, no. It's a human thing to, for people to get injured for something or other. It's like, we can't get mad at that. We just want to know, okay, what's going on with the club? Why is this player who, who was touted as a very important player for this for this roster, why is he not, not even on the bench? You know? And sure, probably people in the organization will be like, what do you care about? Blah, 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 blah. You know? But if other leagues, if other teams... Can do it. I don't see why the why the Toros can't do it. Welcome to Lower League America, ladies and gentlemen, where injury reports are secretive to everyone. Pretty much. But then again, this could also be, like you said, something to do with the lower leagues. Anyhow. To me, it doesn't make any sense. Let's turn the page. We're here to talk about the about the actual match. All right, I'll I'll open up with uh, point number one: Tyler Derrick being the most important asset right now to our team. He's probably the only reason why this wasn't the six-one uh, thrashing or curbside stomping of the Toros Saturday night. Shall we go over some of the more important plays he made? Yes, sir. By the way, we are talking now about uh, the three takeaways from the South Texas Derby, which you can find on the Striker Texas. So um, be sure to subscribe, but you have the means to support local coverage. Continue. Uh, so anyhow, five, five games into the season, Tyler Derrick is shown to be one of the more prominent uh, keepers in the league. And you mentioned a couple of names from the East Coast. Correct. Uh, you mentioned three names from the East Coast, and and what's really really surprising that that RGV hasn't had this good of a keeper since Callie Brown. Mm-hmm. And, and why do I use Callie Brown as an example? Because Callie Brown had that he had those same characteristics as Tyler Derrick did in the inaugural year. Yes, we've had Borja Angoitia. Yes, we've had um, Callum, uh, other, Irving. Uh, Callum Irving. And you could name all the keepers that the franchises has had. But if you're going to have a one and two keeper to solidify this franchise with, you'd go with Callie Brown and Tyler Derrick. Tyler Derrick being the more recent one because he's between the pipes right now. Mm-hmm. But I just got to feel that sometimes the de- the defensive line has to help him out a little bit more. Thank and what you. do I mean? Thank and what you. do I mean by help him out a little bit more? 
when you lose a guy like Juan David Cavesas, not only is the defense of being more prone to accepting more attacks, but this is where you have your despairs of the world to kind of like, instead of venturing and playing up front and trying to uh, play uh, play more as a as a forward and try to be creative on the offensive end, let's shore up that back line first. Let's seal those gaps. Let's take care of those loose gaps that are open to keep any more um, any more uh, cheap, soft goals to go in. Mm-hmm. Let's try to clean that up a little bit. We all know that Dispe can be a very nice player in this league, but I just kind of feel the responsibility of him is first and foremost, be a true blue center back. And what do I mean by that? Do I mean stay back and stay back and be the last line of defense before Tyler Derrick has to come off his line and, and make an acrobatic save? Mm-hmm. N- not necessarily, but that's kind of like the the feat that I want Dispe to play in. You know, don't be that last center back, but kind of be that one guy that that secures any potential danger from reaching Derek. Can I add something to Absolutely. what you're talking about, Adrian Dispe? Mm-hmm. It seems like Adrian Dispe and Tyler Derrick are carrying this defensive line. And you're Eric, spot on. Where is Eric Pimentel? Where is that experience? Let's look at Eric Pimentel's stats from this game. And I could be focusing myself, focusing myself too much on statistics, but I feel like statistically, statistically, I feel like statistics are kind of give you a hint about what's going on on the pitch. Okay. Eric Pimentel. One duel won. Six duels lost. Then you go to Adrian Dispe. 13 duels won. Only two duels lost. Exactly. That that tells a pretty good storyline. Now... Another thing that I want to like highlight here. And real, and real quick before you continue. Go ahead. Clearances. Two from Eric Pimentel, eight from Dispe. One interception, four interceptions from Dispe. One interception from Eric Pimentel. Okay. Here's, here's the one thing I just want to highlight here real quick. Pimentel hasn't had much of the play time, which is why there's a big disparity. And, and I just think. Um, I, I just want to think really? that. Because not Pimentel, to, Well, go ahead. Go ahead with your point. Because remember, Dispe was gone the first match. Yes, he was suspended. Correct. In the second match, he came in as a sub mm-hmm. in the 45th minute. That game, Eric Pimentel was, was the starter center back. So Eric Pimentel has more minutes than Adrian mm-hmm. Dispe. But somehow... Adrian Dispe has been a better performing center back than Eric Pimentel, who is supposed to be the experience, who is supposed to be, you know, he's got uh, Liga MX experience, CONCACAF experience. 
he might have a higher or a longer adaptability so i'll give him that because it's he is pretty much a it's his debut in the usl championship i'll go ahead and give him that right but if you look at the statistics adrian like i said adrian Dispe and tyler derrick are carrying this defensive line and and you're spot on with that and uh there's uh there is no uh, no lie detected there i just kind of feel like if Pimentel doesn't get that shape together uh, by the time Sunday night is over. I think we're going to have a lot more defensive questions than what we do answers because we know what Dispe is capable about because he's played in the league. He knows the league. As far as Pimentel, that experience of playing with Club America and all that gets thrown out the window for for a few instances until we kind of start seeing what Dispe is, no, until we start seeing what Pimentel is all about. Cesar? Well, at 17 saves for Derek, you know, ain't he tied with uh, one of the keepers from Memphis 901? Yeah. John Burner, right? Yeah, so, so it's a three-way tie for third uh, between, oh, actually four-way tie, actually. Tyler Derrick, John Burner of Memphis 901, Connor Sparrow of the Miami FC, who we're going up against on Sunday, and Matt Van Oko of Birmingham Legion. They are all tied with 17 saves. They're behind Trey Muse, and I can't remember off the top of my head who, who I believe are both tied with 22 saves. Trey Muse and Alex Rando. Thank you. There we go. Yeah, I mean, you know, kudos to them. You know, that's a great amount of saves. But what does that say, you know, about the back line? You know, as Ray, as um, I can't remember if it was you or Ray that said it. After that first goal for, for San Antonio, open the floodgates for countless and countless chances for San Antonio to equalize. Tyler Derrick was just, you know, he, he redeemed himself from, from the El Paso match, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he shouldn't have to be that last line of defense. I mean the best offense is the best defense, you know, at the end of the day. And I think my dad, my dad mentioned it when we were watching the game, he said, when your keeper is the star of the show, there's something wrong with your team. Not to mention RGB, you know, regardless of who's been, who's been the head coach has been used to parking the bus countless and countless games, you know, countless seasons. But you know, after, after seeing the San Antonio match, I actually was very, very surprised that the, that um, they managed to equalize within the last few minutes of of, uh, of the match. And it just goes to show, and I, you know, I was telling my dad, like, there, where is the creativity of this uh, uh, of this team? I'm I'm a little bit underwhelmed by Alexis Cerritos. Um. I feel like for moments, especially in the first half and the beginning of the second half, he was kind of nowhere to be seen. I think it was when Asokar came where he started being a little bit more productive, you know, in the midfield, trying to generate something. Uh, but other than that, you know, we really didn't see him much. We The, the commentators rarely mentioned his name. Uh, Josue Soto is another one of those... Uh, players that I have so many questions about, considering he's another experienced player. Um, you look at his stats for this match, and 
you you see 26 passes, 84.6 passing accuracy. Okay. Uh, um, duels one, three, duels lost two, aerial duels one. Okay. You're like, okay. All right. At least, you know, he won, he won more duels than he lost, right? Then you look at Rodrigo Lopez. 56 passes compared to 26. Passing accuracy isn't as, isn't as good as Josue Soto's, but remember, Rodrigo Lopez uh, passed, you know, more than double the times that Josue Soto, right? 75.8 passing accuracy in the opponent's half, and you can expect that from Rodrigo, who's a little bit more attacking-oriented uh, midfielder. 12 long passes, 44 short passes. Six duels won, four duels lost. Two aerial duels won, zero aerial duels lost. So, Josue, to quote, to quote uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, those are rookie numbers, man. You got to pump those numbers up. And it seemed to me, it seemed to me that the midfield was leaky, especially around the area where Josue Soto was. There's no sugarcoating this, guys. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat my opinion. Josue Soto was leaky around his area. I would Rodrigo Lopez multiple times, including in the goal, including in the goal where Marcus Epps scored. Rodrigo Lopez was trying to cover where Josue Soto should have been. And when he did that, Adrian Vera, who had gone out to help on the attack, left a wide open spot where Cuello passed the ball between Pimentel and Rodrigo towards Marcus Epps. And there was really nothing Tyler Derry could have done with that shot. You know? <laughs> but, like I said, to me, Josue Soto should not be a starter. And considering how well James Murphy has been playing, considering the fact that this wasn't a midweek game that we needed to rest players with, considering this is a South Texas Derby, as Ray mentioned multiple times earlier in the show, why, Wilmer? Why did you try to experiment in an important match such as this? At the end, he decides, okay, you know what? Okay, Eddie Pimentel had to be subbed off for an injury. Okay. You brought in Carter Manley, usually a starter. Juan, uh, este, Juan Carlos Azócar, he's, he's recovering from an injury, so that one doesn't, that one doesn't count from what I'm about to say. But it was a good substitution. He is definitely a, a starter in my eyes. James Murphy, starter. There, he's been a starter in the last couple of days. He was on the bench this time. Juan Cousin, technically a starter. Vicente Sanchez. Obviously, he's your revulsivo off there for the last 13 minutes. Three out of your five subs, I consider wasted because those subs should have been starting to begin with. And it seemed like Wilmer Cabrera maybe realized that he messed up with that lineup, brought in the, brought in the, the actual starters, and things started to look a little bit better, but it kind of, it all uh, was, the catalyst was obviously Emil Cuello's red card uh, in the 80th minute. 
and it caught San Antonio with their pants down, pardon my, uh, pardon the phrase, but it caught San Antonio with, the pants, with their pants down because they had just brought in, a couple minutes before, they brought in Jordan Peruso, who was an attacker. And I know, I remember that the, the commentators were saying, oh, like, you know, it looks like San Antonio is going to want to uh, go for the kill. Uh, they're going to go attack. Because if I'm not mistaken, to bring in Peruso, they took out Nathan. So it was a man, it was a pretty much position to position uh, change. But when you're one zero and you're kind of late in the second half, you have two options. They said you either kind of want to keep that one zero lead and kind of bring in a defender to help defend or you go for more. Uh, Alan Morsina decided he wanted to go for more. Red card comes in. One of your Eli, and, and so now you're left with 10. Well, you now you have to sacrifice a striker or an attacker in order to bring in uh, a, a defender, you know? So uh, I think the, the white cat brought a lot of good luck to the Toros. You know, if you're superstitious, you know that white cats bring good luck according to superstition. Uh, so the, the good luck was for the Toros with that red card. Eventually, Juan Carlos Azócar, beautiful bicycle kick, which is being nominated for, I don't know, did the voting end yet for goal of the week? Or not yet? Or is it, or is it uh, tomorrow? It is tomorrow. Okay. So y'all can still vote on the USL Championship website for uh, Juan Carlos Azócar for game of the week. Um, for goal of the week. Not game of the, of the week. week. Thank you. Thank you. But it, it, that's how amazing it was. Like, it, it, it represents the whole game. Uh, but yes. Uh, goal of the week and Tyler Derrick is also for save of the week and that uh, voting ends on Friday so transitioning on to Juan Carlos Azokar himself let's talk about his his uh, introduction to the game the efforts and the effects he had on the game you know I think he's one of those players that okay, you're coming off a long layoff. You're still not, you're still not one hundred percent. I just feel like he's gonna end up taking the place of either Cerritos or John Henry. But I eventually see him into into the starting eleven. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see him in the starting eleven. But why would you be wrong in that? I mean, he's shown that he's uh, uh, the, he's got the talent to be in the starting eleven. And let's be honest, like I mentioned, Cerritos has pretty much been a letdown for the most part. Performance. Well, for me, this is where I'm going to fight you a little bit, Edson. I'm going to fight you here. Let me let us just remind ourselves how old Cerritos is. Twenty, very minimal USL Championship experience. Okay. What other options that we have at this point? Emma was had a red card. Balfour and Jai was the option going forward, and so, and so was uh, Cerritos. I mean, this lineup, like I said before, this was a lineup that you could have experimented with Miami FC. Okay, but I kind of felt like it. If you're going to let your players get experience, you got to, like, christen them through fire 
even if it meant a South Texas Derby. So I kind of felt like this was like hopefully a growing point for Cerritos, hopefully. And he kind of continues his positive play as a uh, as a second striker for the second half type of uh, player. But I, I, I think that this was like a, a good uh, measuring stick of what we have with Cerritos just moving forward. So, from what I can tell, you're a lot more patient with Cerritos than I am. Absolutely. I, I think so, because just remember, he only had, like, three total games and, like, less than, like, 60 minutes played in USL Championship. So, I'm going to be a little patient on Cerritos. I mean, he's got a great skill set, but I just think, they they gotta uh, they gotta lo tienen que pulir como si fuera un diamante en espera. You know they gotta polish him up. They gotta rough him up a little bit. And I, and I kind of felt like the roughing up came here against the Derby. So sporadic starts here and there, yes. But I like him a lot more coming off the bench for now, and see where the learning curve grows with him. Okay, what about John Henry Sanchez? What are your thoughts on his performance? I like what I've seen so far. Obviously, if he starts against Miami, I may I may have to hold back. I'm not going to be as patient with him as I am with Cerritos. All right. O- only because... I think he has a little bit more of that international pedigree. And yes, he's kind of new to like U.S. soccer st- standards, but that international pedigree has to start coming out sooner rather than later. I feel bad for Cesar because we're, we're like, like, it's just been like pretty much a dialogue between us two. But I want to get, I want to hear your thoughts, Cesar, too. But before I go with that, let's compare the two. Ronald Cerritos, Alexis Cerritos, and John Henry Sanchez in this game. Passes. 23 from Ronald from Cerritos. Okay. Seven from John Henry Sanchez. 82.6 passing accuracy for Cerritos overall. 57.1 from John Henry Sanchez. Passing accuracy in the opponent's half. 78.6 for Alexis Cerritos. 40% from John Henry Sanchez. Four long passes uh, attempted by Cerritos. Zero from John Henry Sanchez. 19 short passes only uh, from Cerritos. Only seven from John Henry Sanchez. Duels won uh, seven versus five for John Henry. Four duels lost for Cerritos, two for John Henry Sanchez. One aerial uh, duel won for, for John versus CEO for Cerritos. Neither of them lost an aerial duel. On the attack, uh, chances created two for Cerritos, zero for John Henry Sanchez. No shots on target or off target uh, for Cerritos. Only one shot off target from John Henry Sanchez. What do you make of the what do you make of those statistics? 
Oh man. Go ahead, Caesar. I'll I'll let you I'll let you build up on this. Caesar, you there? Actually, I wanted to hear what Ray had to say first. Oh, he's putting you on the spot, bro. Oh, okay. Wow. I'll um, build off of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. You know, John Henry, for having the international pedigree that he has, yes, the, the numbers are bit underwhelming yes um i i just feel that cerritos will eventually grow i i just don't like them to be in that full starters role yet uh only because of the situation that the team has uh faced with the red card and all i, I kind of felt like Wilmer had to make shift this offense uh, just for this game. Mm-hmm. However, if you're going to look at this at a long term, I don't necessarily see both fitting in. But but if, if you're going to give me a choice between – if you're going to let me choose two from three between Cerritos, Sanchez, and Azokar, I am going to go with John Henry Sanchez and I'm going to go with Juan Carlos Asokar. Only because I feel like Asokar has that ability to get in and wreck more havoc inside the box with, with Amo being that big center forward striker who, who you've been critical of, Edson. I kind of feel like this might be the one time where you kind of have the the lineup of Ammo, John Henry Sanchez, and Asokar kind of be the future front three. That's just me. Says that. Well, looking at the lineup that we had for the uh, for the San Antonio match, who do, we had. Who do we have up front again? Uh, Babadu and Jai. There we go. And isn't Amo usually the one who's starting? Yeah, but he got recorded against San Antonio. Yeah, against, that, uh, the Paso. last San Antonio. Was it the El last Paso. San Antonio? Oh, no, it was okay. against El Paso. Okay. Well, seeing as what Wilmer had to oh, work boy. with. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Did y'all hear that? No, I said Babukar. Okay. No, I heard like a loud bang here. I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's some um, that's Wilmer Cabrera trying uh, attempting to knock knock my knock over my door. <laughs> I don't know what you say about my lineup. What you say about my lineup, fool? I continue. Well, yeah, I'd have to go with um, I'd have to go with Ray's initial analysis on what he said as seeing as the new. Or not the new, but the, like the the new starting the new starting three that he said, which was tell me again, Ray. So up on top, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Up, up on top, I went with John Henry Sanchez and Juan Carlos Asoka, followed by uh, 
No, but the one that started Elvis in Ammo. this game. Yeah, but uh, in this game, it was John Henry Sanchez, Babacar Jai, and, and Alexis Cerritos. Yes. Honestly, I would love to see Azorka get more uh, more starting minutes, seeing as, um, as kind of how he had that kind of domino effect or snowball effect towards the end of the game. Granted, it is when San Antonio did receive a red card. I don't know if that had, you know, much to do well, what do you think do you have do you think that had big influence towards the end of the game or oh yeah yeah i definitely do so would it be safe to say that it's too soon to assume what um Asorkar can do if he does start mm, see you say that but even when it was 11 versus 11 juan carlos Asorkar did cause a lot of damage on san antonio but in that instance in those instances Asokar was playing out wide. And so there were multiple plays where he dribbled the ball past a couple of San Antonio defenders out on the wing that it, and they either fouled him or he passed it to someone else and they made a horrible cross or uh, they lost the ball, right? The clarity outside of Juan Carlos Asokar, the clarity on the attack just wasn't there for the Toros, uh, even, with, even with 11 versus 11. That's my take on that. Could it also be that this was their barely their second home game in the season too? I mean, look at how look at the form when they've been playing at home. Granted, the lineup has been more consistent too. You know, there's a there's a lot of variables that can go into into this. You know, with um, with the start with the starting lineup being different, whether mm. it be a home or away match. But from what we've seen so far this season, it's been constant throughout the home matches, and the results have spoken for themselves. So I want to mention because uh, I was going to say Dell Junior, like we have him on the on the chat. Uh, no, uh, from Jacob. Uh, Jacob says Tyler Derrick saves the Toros from an embarrassing loss and finds a way to get it done on the road. I'm just not convinced with how the team plays on the road. You know, I'll I'll take the lead on this. You know. Just remember, this is our first set of road games of the season, okay? We've already seen what the team can do at home. We're barely seeing what the team can do on the road. Now we're 0-1-1 on the road. Granted, those poor 20 seconds of Tyler Derrick and Luis Solignac are to be forgotten. Otherwise, we're either looking at 0-2, or one zero and one. Let's be honest, though the way though both matches went, it would have the record. I feel would have been the same, just flipped. I feel we could have gotten we could have gotten uh, the draw in El Paso had it not been for that error, and I think we would have been beaten badly uh, by San Antonio if it hadn't been for Tyler Derrick. Exactly, and which brings, which probably brings up the next point that you're talking about, aside from Tyler Derrick is kind of like the lack of finishing that our team has, which is why I kind of uh, beg and choose for a Sokar to be in the starting 11, because like I've said before, we've, we've seen bits and pieces of a Sokar in the limited runs that we've had him on. But now I just want to see what he can bring 
for a full 90 in the time that Ahsoka has been here. We haven't been able to see him for a full 90. I, I want to see like how the team and the attack will be effective for a full 90 when Ahsoka is on there, when you have a Sorto or a Cerritos or a John Henry Sanchez or an Elvis Ammo on top. That's kind of something that I want to see moving forward, how this team will gel in attack. Because granted, we're not going to have a full Vicente Sanchez for a full 90. No. So quit thinking that. I know a lot of fans would like to see that, but yeah. It's just not feasible at his age. and People need to understand that. I, I just hope that all of those fans that are clamoring for a Vicente Sanchez uh, full night at sightings better have AARP cards somewhere hidden. Oh, damn. Damn, bro. Wow. Just to help them cover the expenses type thing. But I'm just kidding aside on that. But, you know, if if the Toros are to are to have some sort of progression here, I I think they have to start here against Miami Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're we're gonna be six games into our season, and we're still gonna have a lot more questions than what we are gonna have answers. And granted, this is just our first road trip of the season because. Later on down the road, guess what's coming up? Another three-game road swing. And all of them are going to be involving divisional rivals. And that's the thing that kind of scares off a lot of the folks that either see this team or cover this team the way we do it. So looking at the chat right now, um, first of all, Hi, chat. Hello. Um, my dad says Cabezas is a leader on the pitch and makes a huge uh, difference. Uh, huge shout out to Johnny, the uh, uh, former president of the RGB Stampede. Thank you so much for tuning in, bro. Uh, glad to have you back. Um, Mike says, talking about Ahsoka, he says, no, because he showed same flash last year in the two games he played. And then Gilbert asks a question. I'm not sure if he's talking about just the season or overall. So if you can uh, clarify that, Gilbert, uh, I'd appreciate it. But he says, is this week going to be our first ever match against an East team? I want to say no, only because in our inaugural year, we had to face St. Louis FC. They were an East team then. And then the following time that they saw St. Louis FC, yes, you can bring up F in the chat because they're no longer around. <laughs> yeah, I kind of missed that yo-yo theory of East-West thing for them. Um, the last time that we saw St. Louis FC, they were a Western team. Correct. So in theory, this would be a second match against an East Coast team. Mm-hmm. And uh- it... It is uh, not any fun to see them play because right now they have a pretty good little squad and uh, and San Antonio fans might cry a little bit when I mentioned Billy Forbes. Cut inside, man. Yeah, but anyhow, uh, to answer uh, that question, it would probably be our second 
game against an East Coast team. Good to know. Never, good right? to know. Yeah. Say again. I said it'd barely be our second team, our second uh, match against an East Coast team ever in the club's history, right? That's what he's yes. uh, saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So okay. They're not even a mountain division. What what division are they anyway? Miami. Um, Pacific or not Pacific Atlantic. Uh, let me double check. Uh, on you with that because I was looking yesterday. Oh, here we go. Standings. So Miami is in the uh, Central Division. No, uh, no, they are in the Atlantic Division of the Eastern Conference. They are second uh, right now with uh, five games played, three wins, two losses, uh, with a plus one goal difference and nine points overall. Um, They are kind of like the Toros. They don't get scored often. They only have five goals uh, against, but they don't score often either. They only have six goals in favor. So... This, I think this upcoming match is going to be a very defensive-minded, uh, or I think the, the not defensive-minded, but I do think that the defenses are going to shine, especially with the fact that you're going up against two goalkeepers that, like I mentioned, both of them have 17 saves so far this season in Tyler Derrick and uh, as well Jack with Jack Sparrow. Say, uh, say that again? Jack Sparrow. Sparrow, oh. this isn't uh, this isn't the Caribbean. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, got like, job, I got a job, a dead. I got a job, a dead. I got a job. Anyway, that's since dancing show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, I'm having fun. Mira okay? Baila. Uh, hey, I'm having fun. Okay, that's all that matters, you know. Okay, uh, but yes, Connor Sparrow for the Miami FC also has 17 uh, saves, so uh, it'll be a, it'll be a good show uh, showdown between both uh, goalkeepers. Here's another interesting thing about this game. This game's going to be played on turf, so advantage Miami FC. Oh, let's not forget also the the, the actual uh, travel that is going to count against the Toros as well. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but the kickoff time was moved up one hour. Mm-hmm. To 5.30. Yeah. So, uh, so just to kind of um, end the talk about the, the South Texas Derby, um, 52.0% possession for the Toros compared to 48. 64.6 dual success rate between the Toros and San Antonio FC. 75.8% aerial duels won compared to 24.2. Um, 20 interceptions compared to 18. Um, and so, yeah, the Toros, uh, com- because they had to defend a lot this match, you know, they looked better on, in percentage-wise when it comes to these statistics. But I still think that this the midfield was very leaky. And I hope to see um, more of James Murphy. And I hope that he doesn't get benched again, to be honest. So to transition into our, I guess you can say our final uh, topic for today. If you all recall, against El Paso Locomotive, uh, we lost Grant Robinson due to an injury. Uh, 
I guess he pulled a muscle. But then again, we don't know exactly what happened to him because the Toros don't mention anything regarding injury. So we don't know exactly what's going on with Grant Robinson. And he wasn't uh, available. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he was not available this Saturday, this past Saturday against San Antonio FC. Well, they had to put in, uh, they had to put in Adrian Vera, who's technically more of a midfield midfielder to play in the left back position. So there was a lack of depth there, in, at least in that particular position. So today, the Toros announced the signing of Louis Ramsey, who is a defender with experience in uh, the lower levels of the English Football League. So he is coming in from uh, Balearica Town FC in the National League South of England, uh, which is South in England. He was in Leicester City's under-23 squad in the Premier League 2. Um, he is a product of Norwich City FC's academy, Played for the Norwich City under 23s in, in 2014. Um, let's see what else. Yeah, so he he was actually what he was actually also loaned to Woking FC in the National League. They played against um Peterborough, Peterborough United in, in the FA Cup uh, where they drew against Peterborough United. So he has a lot of experience out in the youth uh, system of England. And now he's coming to the USL Championship to kind of bolster up uh, that defensive line for RGVFC. Your thoughts, uh, Ray? Again, this proves my point. Um... With this signing, I kind of hope that they pair him with, with Despet being the other center back, which would kind of open up that defensive midfield role for Pimentel. Mm -hmm. I kind of hope that happens. Do I see it happening? If I'm a gambling man, I say 70% no. And I leave that 30% cushion because football can be a strange games at times and things just set themselves up for proper for proper fittings okay so that's what i kind of make with this signing so according to transfer market his main position is right back he's also played as a left back and a defensive midfield if we want to break it down uh, as far as positions are concerned, uh, let me see if I can find that uh, particular page. But this player wanna... profile defense, uh, you know, if that's going to be the case, then I can kind of see him suiting in either the left back or the defensive midfielder role, if that were such the case. Yeah, so he has played 47 times as a right back, 22 times as a left back. 
eight times as a defensive midfielder, two times as a right midfield, and only one time as a center back. So if I'm a, if I'm a betting man, which I'm not because I usually lose all my money, um, you can thank GTA Online and Ve the time I went to Vegas for that. Um, but if I were a betting man, I would say he is going to be the replacement for Grant Robinson from his injury. I would have to agree with, with that assessment. Because um, you got to remember, at the right back position, you already have Carter Manley and you already have Camden Wright. Yeah, uh, I kind of see that happening uh, for now until let's see how long that layoff will be for Grant Robinson. Um, also, you just got to have, um, you got to have to keep in mind that there's also no Juan David Cabeza. So where exactly do you place him in who kind of fills into that Juan David Cabeza's role? Or do you just kind of stick with James Murphy and try to just run with it with what you have? Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, that that that's something that that is something to, to ponder about this uh this particular signing. Now, in the uh in the email it does say like it always does his transfer is still pending league and federation approval. So it might be a while before we might actually see them on the pitch. Remember, we are, we already have we have uh um, two Venezuelans that have yet to see minutes, and we don't know the status of their 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 trans their transfer has been approved or not. You know, so it might take a while before we can see Louis Ramsey. But I'm I'm really I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the table, especially with his experience out there uh, on the other side of the pond. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens. Cesar, what are your thoughts on this? It's so funny how we started this. Um how we started this conversation about, you know, the back line and whatnot. Now we're going to get a new, you know, defensive signing. And that was actually going to be my next question. Will we see him with Miami? But obviously, as you said, no, it'll be a while, but will we see him for, uh, I want to say against Austin bold, which is another Texas rival. That seems a lot more. That seems more feasible. Uh, I think uh, I'm trying to remember who the two vein, the name. I know one of them is named Aitor, and, and he is a Aitor Lopez. He's a striker. Aitor Lopez is a striker. And then you have Edwin, who is a defender. So you've already got two defenders that haven't played yet to bolster up the the depth in the back line, which was what Ray was talking about a little while ago. So it will be interesting to see if maybe uh, Edwin uh, might be available for selection against the Miami FC uh, on Sunday. For me, if if Edwin does become that becomes available, it's going to be very interesting to see how they pair up everything because you can put Despen now as a defensive midfielder while you have a center backs Pimentel and that uh, other defender that still, uh, we don't know whether he's cleared 
approval from league and federation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be best case scenario. Worst case scenario would be kind of kind of to stick to what we've to what the team has used already. And and I think one of the things that Wilmer he doesn't necessarily hint or say anything about, but kind of kind of have that squad rotation of which I know that we don't like as fans, but it's just something that he has to freshen up to avoid injuries. And I think we're starting to see glimpses of that. Well, I guess uh, I guess we'll, we will see uh, what happens. But Manzanas, uh, let's give a huge welcome to uh, Lewis Ramsey to the 956. Yep. And uh, hopefully he brings uh, good things uh, to the squad in this 2021 season. I have a question from you for you, Ray, uh, from Code Awesome. Uh-oh. He asks, is the transfer window closed now? The, I guess the best way to kind of describe the USL's transfer market window, I guess it closes down September 1st. That would be like actual roster freeze deadline. So you're open to bring in players until then. Because just remember, we're open. It's the, it's the summer market right now all over the world. So if a team from, if a fourth tier team from Spain wants to take Dispe with them, they can, but they'll just have to pay the Toros whatever they're asking for. If case they want to take Juan Carlos Azucar, guess what? They can because it's the FIFA transfer window is open. Well, but they'd have to, they'd have to uh, ask. Of course, they would have to agree to terms and everything like that. But yes, it's open until uh, until late August, which is basically the uniform uh, the uniform uh, FIFA transfer market deadline would be closed. Yeah. So uh, according to Goal.com, uh, for the Premier League, and that's usually usually around. It's a similar schedule, kind of around the world for FIFA sanctioned. Uh, or FIFA uh, approved leagues. Um, it starts on Wednesday, June 9th, uh, runs for 12 weeks until uh, Tuesday, August 31st. And that is usually the timeline around the world for the, uh, the FIFA transfer market. USL, I don't think they're officially a FIFA league, if I'm not mistaken. Nope. Uh, so they kind of go by their own rules. And like uh, Ray mentioned, that's pretty much the expected timing of the USL transfer window. So code awesome. Um, I hope that answered uh, your question. And guys, right now, the only thing left to ask y'all now is I want y'all to give I mean, I wish we could talk more about Miami FC, but it's, you know, it's a team that just recently came into the USL from where they They have two seasons to play. Yes. NASL. That's where they came from, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty much like one of the last de facto teams to have uh, 
come to the USL for to to play uh you know have a place to play but if we're going into prediction time Edson yes, I hope sir. we are yes sir um I'm gonna go with the, for that. I'm going with an even Steven draw at one apiece to close you, out this road trip sir you read my mind I was gonna go with a one one draw as well uh Cesar, your prediction like I've said once, and I'll say it again, lots of variables here. We got a home match. No, no, we got an away match. We got, when I say away, I mean away. It's going to be on turf. Who's to say the lineup is going to be like our home lineup? But maybe seeing as, you know, the results from the previous two away matches, maybe they will be like a home matches, depending on who's available and whatnot. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, 2-1 in favor Toros. Okay. Uh, Gilbert says in the chat, 2-0 RGVFC. Um, Very brave of him. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. Before he says that, he says, it'll be cool seeing owner David Beckham in the stands. Just kidding. No. You see, it's no, funny because no, you say that, no, but no, the no. Miami is seeing inter-Miami, like, hate their guts. Kind of like Austin Bold and Austin FC. Like, the fan bases hate their guts like to almost to death does, you know does the miami fc even have fans to question that ouch hello miami <laughs> i mean i think you can say the same thing about inter miami too because it's i mean hashtag fort lauderdale yeah pretty much well they still haven't uh, built that awesome that awesome soccer complex that we're saying yet so who's to say they did Already, they, did, they built their stadium. They already have a stadium, Fort Lauderdale, uh, uh, FC, Fort Lauderdale FC, which is their USL affiliate, uh, is playing in Fort Lauderdale in a separate little stadium, I think. Um, which they, which they got a lot of hate because they, they, they tore down a a historic stadium, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, right? The Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Correct. Yeah, I knew that name had some relevance. Yeah, and a lot of people were <laughs> so mad at, at Inter Miami because of that. Um, but okay, um, guys in the chat, please continue uh, putting in your predictions. Let's go to bold predictions. Cesar, your bold prediction. Three nil. Three nil win. Three nil win for Toros. Ooh, it's not okay. like it's not like they haven't played on turf before. Ray. Okay, okay. Uh, oh, man. Pasa la gran tragedia. Toros anota de último momento y gana 2-1. Oh, who scores? Who scores the last minute goal? Who scores the last minute goal? John Henry Sanchez. Oh, okay, okay. All right, my bold prediction. The Toros fall apart and we lose 3-0. That's my bold prediction. Man, you really love Billy Forbes scoring against Toros, don't you, Edson? Inside, man. I think he's got a number, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Him and Luis Solignac. Yeah. 
So I wouldn't doubt it. He he puts a he puts a couple of goal or at least one goal past us. But the thing of the matter is, is just like I mentioned uh, in my uh, three takeaways, I said so far the defensive line, especially Tyler Derrick, has held us up. You know, but what's what's going to happen when Tyler Derrick goes on a bad day or the the defensive line just completely crumbles because of a red card uh, or whatever? You know. They're gonna get you're gonna get scored on on what's the offense doing, you know. You got the the strikers have to help out your defensive line. They're doing the work to put you in a position to equalize or to win, which is what happened against San Antonio. Tyler Derrick left gave left the Toros in a position to find an equalizer, and the offensive line just isn't doing their part, you know, for this team. And you look at the past games, like the three at home, it was mostly the defensive line minimizing the dangers from the from the team, and with one goal or two in the case against San Antonio that they found, well, they were able they were able to get the wins. But what? But like I said, what happens if the defensive line doesn't show up? And I have a feeling, given the circumstances, the fact that it's a long trip to Miami. Uh, they moved the they moved it earlier, so you don't have time to adapt. You gotta remember, Miami is a different time zone than uh than Central Time here in McAllen, Texas. Jet lag, all of that stuff, it's gonna go into it's gonna go into effect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to say the humidity because we live in the valley; it's super humid as, uh, here too, just like it is in in Miami. So I don't think that's going to be a big factor, but everything else I think it is going to be. Um, and like I said, it's a bold prediction. So could possibly not, ha- more than likely may not happen that they get a 3-0 loss. But I do think that given those circumstances, it might be a, uh, more plausible for the Taurus to get uh, to get a loss rather than the win from what, I, from what I've seen uh, from the Taurus. And that's just my analysis. You can tell, you can... At me at, on Twitter, at EOCHO underscore eight, say if I'm right or if I'm wrong or if I'm stupid, you can go ahead and tweet at, tweet at me. Uh, I, I love talking about soccer on my social media. But anyway, guys, that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, Ray, where can they find you at? Um, they can find me at uh, on YouTube at uh, South Texas Border Sports. Uh, the podcast you can find on anchor.fm forward slash stbs where i've recently wrapped up the last episode of edinburgh baseball stadium's uh, 20th anniversary with uh sergio keco guerrero he was one of the first local players to join the edinburgh roadrunners aside from eric gonzalez so you can find that podcast there mm-hmm. um you can also find me on instagram south texas border sports and on Twitter at SOTX Athletics IX ending. And before we go with the Cesar, uh, Mike did leave his, his prediction. Uh, he says his regular prediction Miami FC 3, Toros 1. Bold prediction Toros 3, Miami score 2 in the first 45. We come back and the late goal again. So I guess he go he kind of follows uh, followed in your footsteps, Ray, uh, <laughs> with, with, the, with that aspect. But Cesar, where can they find Bless you, you at? Bless you. Salud. Y'all can find me on my YouTube channel, which is um, 
as my name spelled, Cesar Cortez, and also on my Twitter. That's where I do most of my sports talk um, at court underscore capital EZ. And on my Instagram, which is another side thing I do, courts golfing. And those are the social media platforms you can find me on. And of course, you can find the Down in the Valley social media accounts down there. We've got uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram right there uh, as at Down in the RGV. Uh, You can also uh, find uh, our website, ditvpodcast.com. If you guys missed any part of this uh, podcast, as I mentioned, uh, you can find the podcast version on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, and any other podcasting platform of your choice. Um, Let's see what else. Huge thank you to Beautiful Game Network for all their support. Be sure to check out their sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Uh, And uh, obviously... Check out our personal sponsor, Natural Beauty Spa. If you like to get a um, a facial or anything done with your with your for skincare, you can call my mom at 956-648-8586. She'll get you taken care of. I can I can guarantee I can guarantee it guarantee all that. Um, what else? Oh, that's right. Be sure to check out my articles at thestrikertexas.com. Uh, and um you know i do the game recaps i do the takeaways and uh if given the time i can probably do like some sort of like breaking news or something like that uh but for sure you know check out the game recaps and the, and the takeaways at the strikertexas.com um currently there is a 30 there is a 30 day free trial so be sure to be sure to check it out if you guys like the 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 coverage you can subscribe after the 30 days. No, uh, there is no obligation to do so. Um, it's not only not only RGV, got San Antonio, who cares? Uh, Austin Bold, who cares? Uh, El Paso Locomotive, who cares? But also Houston Dash, Houston Dynamo, Austin FC, and uh, SC Frisco uh, coverage there as well. Um, so support local tex- uh, local Texas uh, soccer coverage uh, if, if you can, and also just pretty much a f- huge thank you guys for all of your support. Um, this show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's be honest. You know, you guys are here week in and week out. You know, listening to us discuss about the Toros. Uh, there's different viewpoints. You know, you see both sides of the coin or whatever. I've always said, guys, I don't want to teach you how to think uh, unlike some other uh, people uh, that I won't mention. <laughs> um, but I want to teach you all, or not teach you all, but I want would like to see you give your own have your own thoughts, you make your own analysis based on the facts that the game presents. Like, you know, we, we I mentioned, okay, I don't like this, this certain player. And Ray tells me, okay, well, I disagree with you. Womp, womp. Batteries are dead, Edson. Batteries are dead. Uh-oh. Anyhow, Edson and I like to have friendly banters. You're on this show about players we like or dislike as 
not personal preferences, but based on what we see and what we have available as a team. Now, granted, we may not have the Charlie Wards of the world. We may not have the Kyle Murphys of the world or the Zach Steinbergers, but it's friendly banter. We enjoy it, and we're here to have fun and educate the sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley and hopefully abroad as well. As Edson gets his microphone, he starts to connect. Ladies and gentlemen, he's bringing out the super cardioid sure microphone. He's about to go on a karaoke type thing. La vieja confiable. Was that necessarily uh, uh, available for you, Edson? Can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me now? Yeah. Qué triste fue decirlo. No, okay, no, no. <laughs> well played, Jose. Jose. Don't get me started, man. Don't get me started, because I will do it. No, anyway, guys. Like I said, you know, I want y'all. I want y'all to make your own analysis and spread the word of the Mr. Toro to all of your friends, to your coworkers, to everyone that you meet here in the Rio Grande Valley. I think uh, the the team has kind of grown in certain aspects. They've fixed some mistakes that they've done in previous years. They went out of their way to make, to get some independence from our, uh, the Houston Dynamo. So they want this team, this team to be the Valley's team, and they're showing it. There's some people that disagree, saying that they want, oh, we want, you know, this team to be full of uh, players from the Rio Grande Valley. Well, they're going to, ha well, they have to show responsibility. They have to show commitment to being, a, a, to the professional lifestyle. And if they, and if they don't do it, you know, we're not going to put in, put you in to the team just because you're from the Valley. No, you have to earn it. And I think that's a lot of people don't realize this, especially those um, others from, you know, where, um, but uh, yeah, just keep spreading the good word of, of the Toros. I appreciate all of your support. Jacob, uh, Jacob wasn't here, but he's a very, uh, he appreciates your all support to him uh, as well. You can, uh, and, but on behalf of uh, Jacob, we would like to say thank you, uh, Cesar and Ray. Thank you so much for coming in to talk uh, on the show as well. You know, you guys are always welcome at every time. It's a pleasure to talk to talk Toro soccer with you all, and it's a pleasure for us to talk uh, Toros with you all as as fans. Uh, so, I do want to ask you all a favor, guys. When this live stream ends spam the hell out of it spam the the link the hell out of it on your social media let's spread the the down in the valley podcast uh and of course south texas border sports uh coverage of the toros as well you know with his uh practice uh interviews and uh post game interviews as well you know spread it around let's spread the the word of mr toro to the rio grande valley we've got a good product here and now it's up to the fans to show up. Uh, so, guys, um, huge. Oh, we got a message from Mike Reyes. They have a watch party on Sunday at Walk-Ons, which is on Trenton Road at 5 p.m. Uh, he's inviting everybody to go to, to join them for their watch party against uh, the Miami FC. And uh, finalizes this, Puro Pinche Stampede. Mike. I'll gladly take your invitation if and only if you pay my meal. Ooh. <laughs> Alrighty then. 
Cesar, it was a pleasure to have you back, bro. Um, but that'll do it for the for for today. Be safe out there. Take all the precautions necessary. We're almost out there. Things are starting to get back to normal. Uh, stay hydrated, guys. Stay hydrated. And if you drink, don't drive, please. And I will say this. Don't drive 20 below the speed limit on the left lane in the highway because I will honk at you. Anyways, having said this, bye-bye.